Amen. 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 All right. We are starting uh, our Advent season, uh, again, which just means coming. It's the season to focus on what really matters during this season. The presents are fun, and the food's great, and the family time is awesome. Anything we get to enjoy this year is going to be an extra blessing. Uh, that if we get to be together and things like that, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but it's also a time to focus on the fact that Christmas isn't just what society tells us it is. Christmas is the time that God took on flesh to die for you and me to save us forever, eternity to Him. Uh, that's what this season is a reminder of. Without Jesus coming as a babe in the manger, then we don't get the Savior dying for us on the cross, and we don't get the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords coming back to take us to heaven for eternity with Him. So, we're looking at hope this morning, and with that in mind, it's easy to find a little bit of hope. Um, but this is our Advent season, is what we're looking at. Again, Adventus, baby Jesus is coming, King Jesus is on his way. Uh, we're looking at the four uh, parts of Advent. The next slide, Shell. Hope, peace, joy, and love. For the next four weeks, that is what we uh, will look at. Hope this week, peace, joy, and love, and, and just focus on the aspects of those things as far as it goes uh, with God, what that means, uh, and help us to hone in on enjoying the true meaning and the true value of this Chris Christmas season. Chris Christmas season, there we go, and uh, looking, forward, looking forward to that as we go. So again, uh, today is hope. It makes all the difference, and we'll be looking uh, mainly at Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 39. I know there's a lot of scriptures, but we'll get through them very quickly. I'll try my best. Uh, so, I was reading a story about a little leaguer. Speaking of hope, <clears throat> a little leaguer. Uh, this guy walked up to the to the game, and uh, the game had just started. And he and he he got up to the dugout and he asked one of them. He said, "Hey, how's the, how's the game going?" And he said, "Well, we're down eighteen to nothing." And he said, "Man, you must be pretty discouraged." And he said, "No, why would I be discouraged? We hadn't even got up to bat yet." <laughs> and sometimes that's what we think about when we think of hope, like it's just. Uh, wishing, wishing upon a star. Um, that's not the hope we're talking about when we talk about hope in Jesus. We're not talking about wishing upon a star or, or, or hope in, the, in, in just some magical, weird, cartoonish, Disney type of way. We're talking about real hope. It's trust. It's faith. The only difference is we haven't seen it yet. That's the difference. It, it's, we're hoping something because we haven't seen it. But we're going to see it. We know we're going to see it. We hope to see it. That's what the hope is that we're looking at today. Uh, and that's really kind of what we're digging into when we jump into where Paul is here in Romans 8. Now, we've talked in the last several weeks for different reasons about Romans. Romans, really, if you want to put it down to one simple thing, Romans is Paul's Christian manifesto. It is his opus magnus. It is his greatest work as far as theology. It's his deepest letter. It's his, most, it's his longest letter. Uh, and and it's, there is a lot of Christianese and churches and theology and all of that stuff in Romans. And we're jumping right into the heart of that letter when we get into chapter 8 here today. So we're picking up in chapter 8, verse 18. You follow along with me. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 
For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who had the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So we're looking at this morning hope, and if you want to get the one thing that we're going to get out of today, if you want to get one thing, if, you're going to, if you need to go to the bathroom or, you, or you're feeling sick and you've got to leave, take this with you. Whether hardship or harvest, tough times or bad, whether hardship or harvest, we will hold fast, we will be happy, and we are heroic when our hope is in God. That's what we're digging into today. That's what Paul has got for us. That's what the Lord, I believe, has got for us. So that's the deal for today. If you're going to get one thing out of it, how does hope make all the difference because whether in hardship or harvest, we will hold fast, be happy, and are heroic when our hope is in God. Okay, so first, holding fast, holding fast, enduring, being tough, however you want to say it. He says it there in Romans eight twenty two. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains, strange analogy, with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves. All creation groans because of sin. All creation has struggle, pain, difficulty, hardship because of sin. And then he says, even those who are saved. He says, those, uh, not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits. What is the Spirit of the first fruits? It's the down payment to our salvation. Right? It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment to our salvation. In other words, we know that just because we come, become saved, life doesn't become magically awesome. Life doesn't become magically easy. Life doesn't come with an easy button where you can just hit the easy button and everything's fixed. It doesn't come with a switch that you flip or a genie's lamp that you rub or you just get everything that you want now that you're saved. We know that. That's common sense. And Paul is reminding us, reminding us of that. We have been given a hope, but our hope hasn't come all the way to fruition yet. We haven't come all the way to the end of our salvation yet. It's coming, and that's what we hope for. But at the beginning, it's just a down payment on, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so in faith, we too groan with the dying sinful world. But he says labor pains. It, that's an interesting anal analogy. L labor pains have a purpose, right? Labor pains have a reward, at the end of them. It's not by mistake that he could have said anything for struggle or for pain. He chose labor pains. Why? What happens when, what happens when a mom struggles through labor and gets the baby and gets it placed in her arms? Does she say, oh man, that was so hard. I'm not sure it was worth it. I'm not sure I've ever, I'm not sure I've ever heard a mom say that. Maybe not, well, not to your face anyway. Right? Nobody says that. The dad certainly don't say that. I didn't say that. I was scared to death. Man, was I scared. I was overwhelmed with emotion. I'll never forget the first time that when Presley was born. Of course, I'm an idiot. 
Presley, or Kayla's having a, a C-section. I'm standing there with the sheet. You know, I'm standing over the sheet, and I'm trying to videotape. And we're a few minutes into it, and the doctor's like, uh, you, you can't video this. And, and you don't want to see what's coming. You might want to sit down. So I sat down behind the sheet, and everything finished. And, and they, they took her over there, and they, you know, they do what they do, and they get them going, and they clean them up, and then they bring them to you. And I'll never forget what it felt like to have that child, that little tiny baby, 6.6 pounds baby, put in my hands. I'll never forget the emotion that 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 came over me when that happened. I started bawling. I mean bawling, like Tommy Papazan bawling, like bawling, okay? I was bawling. And all the fear and all, this, and all the worry and all that stuff, it was gone in that instant. When the labor pains were over, it was all worth it. I had a different focus. I had a different mission. I had a different purpose. It was all different because the reward of the labor pains had come to fruition. I also knew that I had the ability to kill a human being. That's a total side note. When they put that little girl in my hands, I thought, I can kill anything that ever tries to hurt this. I I knew that. That was a weird feeling, but I don't know if any other dads feel that way, but I definitely felt that way. So we groan. We groan. The world groans and doesn't know what it's groaning for. The world groans for something to come, but they're not going to get it. But we groan in labor pains knowing that there's a reward coming, knowing that there is glory to come. Paul starts with that where we first picked up today. He starts with that kind of foreshadowing to what he's about to talk about. If you look at Romans 8, 18, where we started, he says, For I consider that the sufferings, different way to put it, of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. No matter how hard it may get in this world, when you compare it to glory, it's 10x, 100x, it's eternal x. We can't compare how difficult life is now to how great life in eternity, to how great life with God in presence of the holy creator of the universe is going to be. There is no comparison. It is no comparison. Paul says it a different way when you look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, should be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, Paul says, We are pressed in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And then he continues later in that chapter, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. Right? Amen to that truth. That is an unbelievable truth that we hear there. That is hope. That is hope. It's like a story of this little boy that I read that that was a bad burn victim. Was burned very badly. Uh, and it was in the large city, and they had this program where teachers would be sent uh, to kids that were in hospitals for extended stay to keep them up with their schoolwork. And this little boy was not doing well. He was really on death's doorstep, to be honest. He was, he was, he was in a bad way, infections and things like that. Uh, and they called this teacher, normal, run-of-the-mill you know, procedure. She has no idea what's going on with this kid. He shows up, she shows up to help this young man. And she says, hey, I'm your teacher for today. I'm here to work with you on nouns and adverbs. She went through the lesson. Everything was fine. She didn't think anything of it. And she left. She said bye to the nurses as she left. 
and she went on about her way. The next day, the nurse called her. She thought she had done something wrong. She wasn't sure what was going on. The nurse called her, and uh, she said, you know, did I mess something up? I'm sorry if I did. She said, no. She said, what did you do yesterday? He's totally turned around. It's, it's like he's got a reason to live all of a sudden. We don't, we don't understand it. It's like he's decided he's going to live. And she said, I don't know. It was just normal, normal lesson. N- nothing, nothing extraordinary. And so after talking to her, the nurse decided, well, I'll ask this young man. What's the deal? What's going on? And, and the young man said, well, I just realized that they wouldn't send the teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? <laughs> he was given hope. That's the power of hope. Hope is a very, very powerful thing, and the lack of hope is a very, very powerful, powerful thing. So it's hard, but our hope tells us to hold fast, to eagerly wait for what is to come. You go to Romans 8.23, the last part of 23 and, and 24, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we are saved. Our hope is the redemption of our bodies. That's the resurrection. And the full adoption as children of God. That's what it says there. Eagerly waiting for adoption, full adoption, as sons and daughters of God, and the resurrection, the redemption of our heavenly bodies. To be a full child of God and to have a new body, to be brought back to life. In other words, we know that death for us is not the end. Receiving our full inheritance. <laughs> I love the way Paul says it in different places. As they say, as co-heirs with Christ. I love that. I love that analogy. Co-heirs with Christ. To think of, of, of the inheritance that would come. You know, if you were a wealthy a son of a wealthy man and the, and, the, and the inheritance that would be given to you, you would be anticipating that. You would be thinking, man, one day this is all going to be worth it. All these chores dad's making me do, uh, it's going to be worth it. My son gets paid $10 a week for his chores. I think he kind of looks forward to that, but not quite as much as he would if I were giving him, I don't know, more than that. I'm not going to, but if I were. So we could receiving our full inheritance as co-heirs with Christ to receive the, the richness and fullness of God. That's, that's like what John talks about in Revelation 21. That's the new heaven. That's the new earth. When everything is restored to an Eden-like existence, a perfect existence in the for eternal and foreverlasting presence of God. We eagerly wait. We hold fast with that. That, that, that hole, that hole that we all feel as human beings. Every human being feels like there's something wrong. With them, with something, with the world, we, we can feel that. We know we're not complete. But finally and forever, we'll be filled with the presence of God. That hole will be filled. Like Paul said uh, in the other scriptures we were looking at in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.14, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. That's our hope. And continuing there where we were in Romans chapter 8, verse 24. Now in this hope, that hope we've just talked about, that hope. Now in this hope, we were saved. But we hope, excuse me, but hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Hope is hope until it's sight. Hope is hope 
until it's sight. Then it's not hope anymore. It's sight. It's real. Like this, like this wonderful song says, it was my grandmother's favorite hymn. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. I love that part of that song. It reminds me, one day it's not going to be hope, it's going to be sight. You ever thought about the difference between sight and vision? Sight's what you do with your eyes open. Vision's what you can see even with your eyes closed. We hope for the coming of Jesus. We long for the coming of Jesus. We know everything's going to be made right. But I don't see that with my eyeballs. Not yet. We get glimpses of it. When someone gets saved and their life radically changes, when that person does something for you that they shouldn't have done, there's no reason for them to do it, you didn't deserve to get it, whatever they did, that little act of service, that little act of kindness, that little thing, we get glimpses of what that's like. But we don't, we don't have it yet. We hope for it. We long for it. We have a vision of what that's going to be. Every one of us, hopefully, has spent time thinking about heaven. And we have a vision of what that's going to look like. I don't think it's going to look like what Forrest thinks it's going to look like. I just don't. Forrest thinks it's going to be hunting and fishing all day, every day, and fried chicken and all that the whole time. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. I think there's going to be a little bit more God involved in heaven. I don't know. But, but the point is, he's got a vision. He's got a hope. He's got something he's thinking about. That's what hope is. It's a vision. But eventually, it will be made sight. It will be right in front of us. Paul continues in verse 26, where we started today, in, verse, in chapter 8. Verse 26, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with the inexpressible groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the, minds, knows the mind of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit and Jesus help intercede in our groanings, in our pain, in our suffering, to strengthen our hope and our faith. Because, continuing in verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. God has called you, justified you, and put a down payment on your glory because of Him. And He works all things to the good of those who love Him, according to His purpose. That is worth having hope. That truth is worth having hope. That is how we remain happy in all things. All things, the good and the hard, is in remembering and staying conscious of and keeping that hope in front of us. A couple years ago at a small group, we went through a study called Good to Great, and some of us started a practice of writing down verses on index cards and keeping those index cards with us and trying to read those every day. Three or four verses, you flip through them like flashcards. And that was one of the ones that I put down, was Romans 8.28. And it 
is amazing how the Word of God transforms your mind and your heart when you constantly, consistently put it in front of you. It will transform you. Not necessarily your circumstances, but you, your character, and how you see the world and how you see what's going on. So, that's how you remain happy regardless. Psalms 146 verse 5 says it, says it like this, Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled, hope becoming sight, is a tree of life. A tree of life. What a magnificent way to express what the fulfilling of that hope is going to be like. Now, side note, complete, total side note. In our human relationships, according to Proverbs 13, 12, don't defer hope too long. Husband to wife, wife to husband, parents to kids, kids to parents. In all of our human relationships, don't defer hope too long. Make hope sight eventually because people will wear out. Now, the last thing we said was hero. Hero? Hero? It's a strong word. So, okay, I get it. Hold fast, you know, be, be tough, endure because of this hope. I get that. Happy? Mm-hmm. All right, I, could, I can kind of hang with you on that one. I mean, it sounds good and everything. But hero? I'm supposed to be a hero because of this hope? I love the way, to paraphrase Emerson, not to quote Ralph Waldo Emerson, but to, but to paraphrase him, he basically said that there's no difference in the bravery of those who are heroes and those who aren't. They were only brave five minutes longer than those who weren't. That's the only difference. Or the story, I love the story of 300. Uh, I don't recommend the movie, but I do love the story of 300. <laughs> king Le- king, the king of Sparta, King Leonidas, they're facing this insurmountable odds facing the, the Persian army, and they send a, a delegation like they used to do back then where a few from each side would come out and meet and talk, talk terms, right? Like in Braveheart where he says, I'm going to pick a fight, that, that part. So they go out, with the, and the delegations meet, and the people, the, the soldiers from the Persian army say, look, you are way outnumbered. Just save yourself the trouble. Don't even think that you have any inkling of this working out. You, you, don't, you can't even get past our archers. Matter of fact, we have so many archers. When we send our arrows in the sky, it's going to darken out the sun. And King Leonidas of Sparta says, good, then we'll be able to fight you in the shade. I love that line. And I love that truth. And, that, and, the, and when, you, when you're grounded in a truth that causes hope inside of you, it can make you a hero. How does hope allow me to be a hero? Well, Paul continues in verse 31, chapter 8. says, what then are we to say about these things, this hope, all this stuff? This coming glory. What are we to say about these things? Well, how about this? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who is the one who justifies? God is for us. Who is against us? If God is fighting in our corner, then who should we ever be afraid of? What should we ever be afraid of? Whose opinion should we ever be afraid of? What thing, whatever, your your status, 
your, your reputation, all the things that we hold so sacred and so dear, why are we fearful of those things? If God is with us, then who can be against us? We'll fight in the shade. That's the way I look at it. That's the way we have to look at it. You want to throw shade? You want to shoot your arrows to, so much that the sun goes out? You want to throw shade at the reputation? You want to show, throw shade at the work ethic? You want to throw shade on whatever? We'll fight in the shade then. Now, I don't mean fight, fist fight. That's not what I mean. <laughs> the, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Paul tells us that in Romans. Our battle is against the powers and the principalities, the darkness. It's a spiritual battle. It's against evil. We are fighting against evil, and you can't fight evil with evil. You fight evil with good, but it is a fight. And not only that, he, he's going to grant it. Not only is he in our corner, he's going to grant us everything. Everything. Everything he's granted Jesus, he's going to grant you and me. Co-heirs. Paul goes on in verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors in God's love. We are more than conquerors. What is that? How can you be more than a conqueror? We're not conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We are transformers. We transform ourselves through God's word. We transform others through God's service. We transform the world to bring heaven to earth now as much as we can. Even though it's a glimpse of what is to come, it is still better than what would be if we were not here. And I know we have something to do or we wouldn't still be here. We have a work to do. And we are more than conquerors. We are transformers. We can transform relationships and lives and communities and states and countries and the world if we'll do what God calls us to. If we'll remain conscious and aware and always holding on to the hope that is in us. Who can be against us? God is for us. Nothing can take this hope away. Nothing can take this hope away. So remember where we started. One more shell. Whether hardship or harvest, we will hold fast, be happy, and we're heroic when our hope is in God. I'm asking you, Dad, to be the hero that God's called you to be. I'm asking you, Mom, to be the hero that God's called you to be. Whatever role that you're in, there is no insignificant role. There's only different roles. Asking you, student, you want to see a community transformed? Let it start in the school. You want to see something change? Let it start with students. That'll change. Just have the boldness to walk up to the kid that never has anybody talk to him and talk to him. 
Become his friend. Become her friend. Transform your relationship with each other. Then it may transform your class. Then it may transform what happens in the hallway. Then it may transform what happens in the field house. We're, we're all called to a role. This church is called to a role. We need to be the hero for this community that God has called us to be. How can we maintain the fuel that it takes to do that day in and day out? Because the affliction that we face now is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. Because we remain aware and steeped in the hope that it is to have faith in Jesus. The hope that it is for eternity to come. That hope is the fuel that can make the fire burn so hot that it can make the fire, the fire burn so long that you do the day in. It's not some big grand gesture. It's just a few simple things done well over and over. I'm not talking about buying a house for somebody unless you have the capability. I'm talking about just being there for somebody consistently. Saying you're sorry when you messed up. Asking for forgiveness. Those are heroic acts. Serving without expecting anything back. Sacrificing, knowing that any sacrifice you make is an investment in the kingdom of God and will return tenfold. God's word says in eternity. We have a role to play, church. We have to let the fire of hope burn in us and make us and force us and allow the Spirit to work through us so that we do what God has called us to do. So in this Christmas season, this Advent season, it's, a, it's an awesome time because we're reminded of the, the hope of the coming Messiah. Can you take yourself back to them just real quick? We're waiting on the King of Kings to come back. We're waiting on the second coming. Take yourself back to being before Jesus came. Knowing that you didn't know how, you didn't know when, but you knew and you hoped for this guy that was supposed to come and change the world. And then, bam, one day he was born. <laughs> and 400 short years later, which in the time span of eternity is nothing, 400 short years later, without a sword, without an army, without a government, without a law, without anything. That baby had created a following with the word of God that led to the greatest, largest, most powerful empire in the world being overturned. They went from killing Christians to promoting Christianity. <laughs> they went from saying you can't be a Christian to saying that Christianity is the official religion of the Roman Empire. Think how much it's going to change when he comes back the second time. <laughs> it's a hope worth hanging on to. So while they were waiting for the coming Messiah, babe born in a, Messiah, born in a manger, we're waiting for the coming King of Kings. And he's coming, and I can't wait until he does. But until then, may we be found faithful doing the work that God has called us to. So we're done with that. I'll be quiet. We'll just have a time of invitation. It's a short song today, so if you're going to pray, you can pray as long as you want. But if you're waiting till the third or fourth stanza, you may miss it.
So if you need to pray this morning, then get down here and pray. Um, if you need to pray with someone, it's a great time to do that. If you just want to sing this song back to the Lord, that's fine too. If you want to thank Him for the hope that it is to follow Him, to have faith in Him, this is a great time for that too. Uh, I will be on the piano. If you need to talk to me, we can certainly do that after the service. Uh, but we'll have a time of invitation right here after this prayer, and we'll finish in this song. Lord, we thank You for your, the hope that, is, that it is to... hope that it is to follow you we thank you uh, for the reward that's coming we thank you that the pain and the suffering that we face now lord uh, any any difficulty we face now all the things we face now god they're just labor pains they have a reward coming that far outweighs anything that we could be suffering in this present time god we thank you for salvation we pray that if there's anyone here this morning that is not saved, God, that they would not leave this building without placing their faith in you and being filled with the hope that it is to be a follower of Jesus, to be a child of God. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.